people God dearly loves. God's word is a story of reversals. Sometimes what we expect doesn't happen. Sometimes what we don't expect is the real story. A father is told to offer his own young son as a sacrifice, but his knife-wielding arm is stopped and a ram is provided. A brother is sold into slavery by his older jealous brothers and eventually saves their lives and forgives them. A non-Jewish woman, a widow, follows another widow to a land she's never been to, remarries, and with the birth of a son, is part of the line of the Messiah. A kid brother goes off to visit his older brother serving in the army and becomes the hero with a simple weapon. A young woman, betrothed to be married but still a virgin, is chosen to be the mother of the promised Savior. A persecutor of the first Christians becomes a bold preacher of the gospel. Fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot, and other unlikelies are chosen to be apprentices to the miracle-working, parable-telling God-man. That innocent God-man is arrested and accused, denied by a friend, put through a sham trial, condemned to death, and yet prays to the Father to forgive those who curse and mock and torture him. Then that God-man is hastily buried in a borrowed grave, and somehow those who heard him say three times, on the third day I will be raised, are stunned and saddened by what they think is the end of the story. We're here this morning because God's word is the story of reversals. Death is the worst thing. It is not part of God's original design. There was no death in the paradise called Eden. There was no death until the deceiver tempted Eve and Adam with the words, you will not surely die. They tasted the forbidden fruit, and with juice running down their chins, they died. No, they weren't struck by lightning. No, they didn't have sudden heart attacks. And no, a no longer tame dinosaur didn't attack and kill them. But Adam and Eve died. Their perfect relationship with God was broken. They covered themselves, their nakedness. They ran, they hid, they cast blame, they gave excuses. And while they made excuses, God made a promise. He will change how the story ends. He will bring a reversal. He will send a savior who, though wounded, struck by an angry snake, will crush serpent Satan's head. We are Adam and Eve's children. We too need a rescue from certain and deserve death. We need the broken relationship restored. We need to be called out of our hiding places. We need one who seeks us. We need to be forgiven. We need to live. We've just journeyed through Holy Week. Last Sunday we heard the passion narrative, the final events 
which led to Jesus' death. What was the worst thing? And what was, what is the best thing? The worst thing was the mob shouting, crucify him. The worst thing was Governor Pilate acquiescing and ordering Jesus' execution. The worst thing was Jesus being nailed to a rough wooden beam at Golgotha. But the best thing is that Jesus died in our place. You and I should have died. The best thing is that we should be nailed to the cross, but we are Barabbas. We live, and Jesus is condemned for all we deserve. The worst thing is that Jesus was alone on the cross. All but one of his chosen disciples had deserted him. The best thing is that he alone is the sacrifice and the substitute for every sin of every sinner who ever lived. The worst thing is that Jesus is buried in a borrowed tomb. The best thing is that his resting in the grave, keeping the Sabbath for us, makes our graves places of rest until we in heaven are given an eternal Sabbath. The worst thing is that the stone and the seal appeared to be final and absolute. The best thing is that the stone and the seal will be tossed aside as useless to hold captive the Lord of life. The worst thing is that the women don't know who will roll away the stone when they approach the cave grave early on that third day. The best thing is that the stone is already rolled away because Alleluia, Christ is risen. risen The worst thing is that the women have come to anoint a dead body. The best thing is that they have come to the wrong place. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Asks the angel sitting on the gravestone. The worst thing is that two of Jesus' followers trudge slowly and sadly on Easter afternoon on their way to Emmaus. The best thing is that he reveals himself to them by his teaching and when he prays. The worst thing is that the disciples are hiding behind a locked door, afraid that they will be the next ones arrested and executed. The best thing is that they hear peace be with you when Jesus stands alive among them. I'm going to tell you a different story. It's also a true story, and it's an ongoing story. Some of you heard this in the sunrise service. Ten weeks ago, our son-in-law, John David, who is a pastor up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, sent me a text. The text was, for the most part, a letter from his seminary classmate, a man named Andrew Glenn Johnson. Pastor Johnson was serving a small LCMS congregation in western Iowa. And this 32-year-old was at the end of his battle with cancer. Here's part of what this pastor wrote. It is with a heavy heart that we learn today that I have weeks or months to live. New trials do not look promising. And if I have a little time with Tiffany, I wish to feel as well as possible for those moments. I do not embrace death. It is an enemy in God's world. 
But the Bible also describes those connected to Christ and away as sleeping. After 10 plus years of dealing with cancer, with surgeries, and with depression, I embrace the rest which Jesus promises. For Jesus died, but he came back to life. I was incorporated, Pastor Johnson wrote, I was incorporated into Christ's death and his resurrection on December 20th, 1990, when my parents carried their newborn and newly adopted son to the baptismal font. I will die soon, but I will rise too. If you have not been embraced in holy baptism, take it from a dying man. It's all I have to lean on now. Andrew fell asleep in Jesus on Tuesday morning of Holy Week. His funeral will be this Tuesday during Easter week. John David will be there with Pastor Johnson's family, the members of his congregation, and many other pastors. What is the worst thing for us, for you, for me? Is it cancer? Is it a stroke? Is it dementia? Is it a car accident? Is it the loss of a job? Is it battling an addiction? Is it a divorce? Is it a child who has broken off any communication with his parents and with his siblings? All of these confront God's people. There's no magical way that Christians escape these worst things, for we live in a fallen, sin-sick world. But the best thing is that we have a Savior, a crucified and living Savior. Jesus faced the worst thing for us, giving his own life away on the cross, then carried lifeless to a tomb, then bursting in resurrection victory from that cold, dark grave. This is the best thing. It is the best thing for all of you. It is the best thing for all people. The best thing is that the worst things, all the pain, all the sickness, all the sorrows, all the sin, all the shame, all the death are defeated by our Lord Jesus. His reversal of all the worst is our forever best redemption. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.